We want then, if there's nothing from any of you this morning at this time, we, we want to go ahead and ask you to turn back with us to the book of James, chapter 1. Today we'll be looking at these verses from verse 5 to 8. want to go ahead and back up, though, if you'll allow me to, and read from verse 1, and, and we'll read down then through verse 8. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let your steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind, For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Another passage of Scripture, no doubt that is familiar to you, that you've heard a number of times studied in Bible studies, heard in sermons through the years, but also another passage of Scripture from this letter of James and these early remarks that he makes um, that are difficult, I think, for us to to live in, to fully grab a hold of and and comprehend. We've we've seen already in in the verses we looked at last week at the at the seemingly to you and me at times impossible call to count trials as joy and the depth of what it what it requires of us to do such a thing as that. We all encounter trials. Every one of us does. One of the things I think that suffering in your own life opens up to to you and to your own heart is the reality that people in your life outside those that might be a stranger, a co-worker, a friend, are facing no doubt themselves all kinds of different trials and struggles in their own life. And we remember the necessity of the first verse that James told us about who he was that made him able to do what he then said for us to do to count trials as joy. The necessity of calling and understanding that you yourself are but a servant of God, a doulos in the Greek of God, a slave of God, one wholly committed, willingly so to God. First and above all other things, a servant of God in life. Not that God is a servant of mine, that I expect Him to give me what I desire, but that as His servant, I desire to give Him what He wants from me. And in that is the Christian life fully understood. That we give God what He has called us to give Him, and in so doing we find peace and contentment and joy and purpose and meaning even in those dark days and those difficult times of struggle and in being in his presence and giving him service, we can find joy in the midst of trial and those things that work that patient steadfastness and that stability in us. We found 
though again, that to this flesh, that's not something that comes naturally. Not by a long shot. We don't immediately think of counting our trials as joy, but we're called to do that, and that is something that in the Christian life we, we must ever and always ask God to help us to understand how to do such a thing. Sometimes we wonder how we can do such a thing, and it seems as if James anticipates that kind of question. If you are asking yourself, how can we do such a thing? How can we count the terrible difficulties and trials of our life? How can we find joy in them? Maybe it's not that. Maybe you just have questions in life. We all have those. What am I supposed to do? Maybe there's a decision in front of you. And you feel as though it's a fork in the road. To, to make one decision is to send your life down one path. And to make the other is to send your life down a very different path. And you're faced with the choice to make. How do you know what to do? How do you know what it is that you are to spend your life doing? Well, God has told us in his word what we are to spend our lives doing. And here James tells us, if we feel a lack of wisdom, he gives us the solution for that lack. But I want to begin today by making sure we understand the promise that James gives here and what it is that he is actually talking about. It's very easy for us to miss what James is talking about because we miss what he is saying when he talks about wisdom. If we lack wisdom, he says, if any of you have a sense or a lack of wisdom, then ask God. Well, what is, what is James talking about when he says, if we lack wisdom? We often take this verse to mean, or many have seemingly, and it's easy to do so, perhaps on the surface, to, to look at this verse and, and take it to mean that God will give us knowledge. It's not what he's, that's not what he said, though. And maybe it's splitting a hair too finely in the opinion of some, but that's not what James said. James did not say, if you lack knowledge, ask God. Certainly, it's never a bad idea to ask God for anything. Specifically, knowledge, if there's knowledge that you don't have. But that's not what James is talking about here. He's not talking about knowledge. Sometimes we can take this verse to mean that God will give us understanding. It's as though we think James has said, if any of you lack understanding, let him ask of God. And, and again, nothing wrong with that. But that's not what James said. That's not what he says in this verse. He does not say, if any of you lack understanding, ask God, though again, we ought to. What he says is, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God. Well, what is the difference between these three things? Knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Sometimes... We get them mixed up. And to understand what James is saying to us, I think we need to have a, to begin with, a, a right understanding of what he's talking about. Knowledge, that word knowledge, it means essentially to possess information, to know facts, to, to know and to be acquainted with something, to have a knowledge of something, that's what knowledge is. And, and, and we need to understand that there's a difference between mere knowledge and, and wisdom. Before I define wisdom, though, 
I want you to understand what understanding is. Understanding is, is the ability to comprehend. It's often determined or called intelligence or insight. It's, it's understanding something. It's, it's not only having the knowledge of facts, but it is understanding what those facts mean and, and their, the implications of what those facts are. But James here again, he doesn't say if you lack knowledge, ask God. He doesn't say if you lack understanding, ask God. He says here in this verse, if you lack wisdom, ask God. Well, what is wisdom? Wisdom is defined in some ways, and I think most directly in this way. It is the capacity to understand with the result of being able to act wisely. The ability to understand in such a way that you act wisely. You make wise choices. There's a progressive sense to these ideas that, we're, that I'm presenting to you today. It's, there's a progression that is taken from knowledge to understanding to wisdom. And, and I, I want us to be thinking about that progression and understand the differences between these three words so that we can rightly hear James when he says to us, if you lack wisdom, ask God. What he is saying to us is if you lack an understanding in such a way that helps you to know and to understand how to live and act and behave wisely, then, then ask God. Once you obtain knowledge, you're then in a position to obtain understanding. You can't understand something that you don't know. It's like maybe if you meet a person, you know someone. You, you, maybe you meet them briefly uh, or at a work situation and they're just an acquaintance. You know them, but you don't understand them, do you? Not until you spend more time with them and, and add more and more knowledge and facts to the equation about them Maybe their childhood, their history, their family, their, their likes, their dislikes. Then you become in a place where you can understand them. But that alone, understanding someone, isn't the end of the story either. It's, it's, it's in understanding them to the point that you can act wisely with them and for them on their behalf. That wisdom is in, enters into the equation. It's also a bit like maybe if you want to look at an analogy, it's like, it's like a campfire. Wisdom and understanding and knowledge, these three things, um, they're, it, it's as though the, the wood is, is knowledge. It's necessary for you to have a fire, but on its own, it's just wood and it just sits there. And understanding, maybe we can liken that to a match. Something is needed to ignite that wood, that knowledge, and turn it into more than just wood, but turn it into fire, which is wisdom in this analogy. But the two things alone are not wisdom. You can have a bunch of matches on one side of the table and a bunch of wood or tinder on another side of the table, and you're never going to have a fire until they come together in the right way. And that's knowledge and understanding that leads to wisdom. That's where we want to go. That's what we want to have in our lives is wisdom, is it not? 
To know what these facts that we learn mean, it's also maybe like my heart. I know that it beats. I was taught that when I was a very small boy in, in school and science, in health class. Your heart beats and it sends blood throughout your body. Well, if that's all I knew, I have no understanding yet. Well, why does it beat? What's the purpose of it? And then you learn a little bit later, or maybe even quickly you learn later, the reason that it beats and sends that blood throughout your body is because your organs need the oxygen that that blood delivers. But you're just at knowledge and understanding to this point. You know what that heart does. You know why it does it in some degree, but you've not applied it to wisdom yet because you not thought perhaps at that moment that one day, one day that heart will stop. That's when you begin to enter into the area of wisdom. You have the knowledge about the heart. You have an understanding about it. I think there are doctors today that have an incredible understanding of the human heart. I, today we can take one out, some, someone, and put another one in. It's incredible what we've learned about the heart, but I'm afraid that wisdom about that heart is far less known in our world today. That one day, no matter what you do, it will stop. One day, it is going to stop beating. It will beat for the last time. In your mother's womb, it beat for the first time. And one day that God knows that's out there in the future, perhaps it's distant yet, perhaps it's not, only God knows the answer to that question, but we take the knowledge of what keeps this physical body going, this heart that keeps the, the blood pumping through our veins, and the physical life that this body continues to have, and then we understand it, and we have a greater understanding of why that's necessary. But have we applied our hearts to wisdom, to know why that is, and then to get to that place of wisdom where we see what God is trying to tell us with that heart that beats. The psalmist asked God to keep him from thinking or missing the wisdom about the human heart and about the limited time that we have. In Psalm 90, verses 9 through 12, we read this. I want you to hear him. For all our days pass away under your wrath. He is speaking to God. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. So that's knowledge that is listed. That's even understanding to a point. But here then comes the wisdom. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. There's a big difference between knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And what James is talking about is wisdom. If you lack wisdom, then ask God. I know a great many more things than I understand. I possess a lot of facts in this small brain of mine that I don't understand, but I know that they're true, that they're real, but I don't really fully understand them. 
I understand some things, many things about which I am unwise because I have not turned them over to God or looked at them in the light of God in eternity. James here is talking about wisdom. Again, he is not telling us that we ought to merely seek God for knowledge and understanding. In fact, briefly, I might say, sometimes I wonder if we are not able to gain the wisdom that God would like to give to us because we are unwilling to take the time necessary to gather the wood and the matches, to gather the knowledge from his word, to let it become more and more of us. It's like when, when, when facts become part of us, that's when they become understood and they're mine and I no longer need notes to remind myself of, of what these facts mean. They're just in me and I know them. That's what this word ought to become in our life. And, and we're going to be separated from wisdom in our life if we don't throw the wood and the matches on the table for God to turn into wisdom. I just want to share that with you. That doesn't mean that God won't give you times of miraculous uh, intervention in your life. I've always... <laughs> school or, or young people, and please don't be offended by this, you know, pray for our young people as they take their tests. And I'm thinking, well, they've either studied for it or they haven't. Don't test God. Now, again, I know what the intention is to give them clarity of thought and remind them of the things that they've studied. So please don't misunderstand me. I am a fuddy-duddy, but I'm not that much of a fuddy-duddy. At the same time, I wonder in my life if, if and I've come to times in my life where I've read scripture and all of a sudden it has dawned on me and I have thought, Boy, if I'd have just known that back then when this happened, what wisdom I might have been able to have had. So I want to encourage you today. Yes, we're going to talk about wisdom here, but don't neglect the knowledge and the understanding. Seek it. Seek it out in your life and, and ask God to help you to have that in your life as time that you gain uh, knowledge and understanding. And as you think about that analogy of, of wisdom being the result of wood and matches that light together and they bring a fire and, and in a campground, it, it brings light and, and warmth. I don't know if any of you have spent a whole lot of time out in the woods as a young man. I spent quite a little bit of time out in the woods and, and the fire at night was always a blessing. It was warmth and it, and it was light because out there in the middle of the woods, it's dark and cold. That's, that's what wisdom will do for your life. It'll shine light on things that are dark and it'll bring warmth in a world of great coldness. There was a night in Liberia. I haven't shared this with very many. But there was a night in Liberia where I had gone to preach in a place about an hour outside of Monrovia little more than an hour, I think. Brother Bryson was not well. He wasn't feeling well. He stayed back where we were staying that night, so I was going on my own. You all know I've spoken about Brother Victor. I love that man of God. Something came up. He was always with me everywhere I went, and I always felt comfortable when Victor was, was there. But something came up, and it prevented Victor from being able to travel back with me to where I was going. And and I trusted him, as I said, with my life. And, and he, he asked two men to take me back that, that I didn't know. I didn't know these two men. I wasn't overly concerned because I trusted Victor. 
But we were driving back, and as we kept driving for what I felt was far more than an hour, that I felt was what it took to get out there, in nothing but darkness, the occasional village would pop up, I began to feel a little bit uncomfortable. These men in the front were quiet, not saying anything. And I was thinking to myself, you know, this is the place people disappear. Nobody knows whatever happened to them. I didn't know all was going on. Of course, I made it back fine. These men took good care of me. It was a strange path back. I didn't recognize the road on the way back. I do remember on the way out, we were stopped by a few police protecting us. And I wondered if they were trying to dodge them at night, because on the way out, at least the sun was up. But I made it back fine. And as I thought about what James was saying here about wisdom and about this idea that wisdom shines light and it, and it, sh- and it gives warmth, I, I thought about that night, how dark that it was. You know, and I thought about how I felt. You know, you can really, maybe in your own life, you've got a situation or times in your life where you look out and you go, there's just so few people I can trust. I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. There's, I don't have the wisdom that I need. Everything seems dark and there's danger. Real danger there seems around and, and nearby. It's, it's difficult to know which way to go. And you feel powerless to control or change your circumstances. You're completely out of control. Well, that's the time you need wisdom. Wisdom from God. I wonder if you've ever felt that way, something like that. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you didn't know what to do? You didn't know how to act wisely. You didn't want just facts. You you didn't feel like you needed to just understand something. You needed wisdom. And so you asked God for wisdom. And I want to encourage you with this scripture today. And I want to tell you that help is available. But you must avail yourself of the help. Help is available. God is here. His word will give you help. But you and I must avail ourselves of that help. And I just want to walk through this quickly, if I can. The remedy for a lack of wisdom, what we've been talking about, it's, it's to ask God. If any of you lacks wisdom, James says, let him ask God. And so note first, James does not encourage us merely to ask other people. I don't think that necessarily means that we ought not ever ask other people opinions and and their thought and get their counsel. I think other people can be wonderful sources of knowledge. Those Those of you who have people in your life who are older than you by some decades, that's a blessing for you. You should avail yourself of their wisdom. They've been there. Trust them that they know what they're saying, especially if you know that they love you. You should listen to them and hear them. This, it's a wonderful resource for you to have. They can give you great wis- knowledge and understanding. But wisdom, maybe they can, they can almost get you to the border of that land called wisdom. But wisdom that we're talking about here, this, this is the thing that comes from God. This comes from God. Wisdom. The wisdom I think James is talking about. And I think that's why he says, ask God. 
Now again, I am grateful for the knowledge and understanding that I've obtained from other people, other Christians, other preachers, other pastors, other friends, family members. I'm grateful for those things. But when everything is considered, wisdom is what I need most in my life. It's not just the wood and the matches. It's the fire that those things can, when they're brought together correctly, ignite in my life to have wisdom so that I might be able to behave and act wisely in my life. He says to ask God. Second, he says to ask God. That word ask in the Greek, there's the sense of urgency in the asking. The Greek word is defined to ask with urgency, to plead, to beg even. One of the things that I think our modern lives have robbed us of and we don't even know it, is the sense of urgency that we ought to feel toward God and His wisdom. I, I think it has robbed us of that. Today it seems that you can, you have to beg people to give God their attention when it should be exactly the other way around. Men begging God for His. But there's this lack of urgency on our part, and so we don't really truly ask, and James is going to talk about that again at a later time. But here today, it's just ask Him, beg Him, plead with Him. What often separates us from wisdom is that we just simply don't feel the need of it like we ought to in our lives. And we look around and we see the world going round and around and people living their lives seemingly oblivious to God and we think that we can live, quote, normal lives without the wisdom of God. And so we don't ask. We don't ask him. So I do want to, I want to ask you today. I want you to examine your own heart and your own life. When was the last time you asked God for wisdom? And I don't mean knowledge merely and understanding only. For wisdom. Because that's a different question of God to God. That's not just, Lord, I want to understand. Sometimes I wonder if God withholds understanding from us because what we ought to be asking for is wisdom. Sometimes we just must trust Him. Ask God to give us wisdom and how to live, how to order our lives. We can live, though, without this wisdom seemingly unhindered in this world and in our times and in our life. I pray that's not the case for you. So again, he says, ask. Ultimately, this is a request of God. Keep that ever in mind. A request of God. You're asking wisdom of God. It's not ours to answer. It's ours to ask. It's not yours to answer the question that you're asking. It's yours to ask it. It's not yours to try to manipulate God in the answer. It's yours to ask. God, I desire wisdom so that I might be able to behave rightly in my life before you. So that I might be able to live wisely in this brief world. This time that quickly passes us all by. And now we want you to know, James does as well, that we ought to know that God gives wisdom generously and He gives it without reproach. 
Generously here just means willingly in an, in an interested manner. God does not hesitate to give wisdom. He's not apathetic toward you. And he will give it without reproach. Have you ever hesitated to ask somebody a question that maybe they'd counseled you in one direction and you took the other and then you realized their direction was the way that you ought to go and you hesitated ever bringing it up because you dreaded the I told you so. A reprimand. And that's what the word reproach means in the Greek. A reprimand. God doesn't give you wisdom with a reprimand. He gives generously. He will give it to you if you ask Him of it. Maybe it's been a very long time since you asked God for wisdom. Maybe the enemy is sowing doubt in your mind and, and maybe you think that God no longer even cares what you do because you, you maybe turned from Him in the past when He was leading you in a certain direction and you're, you're worried or you're fearful that if you go back to God now, He's just going to have a reprimand for you. Make no mistake, He might perhaps remind you of the wisdom that He had for you in the beginning if you'd have just followed along with Him, but He's there to give you wisdom today if you will avail yourself of that wisdom Take James' words here to heart. God gives, and he does so generously and without reproach. And he gives to all. Last I checked, all would include you and me. All. Deuteronomy 10, 17. God, we are told, is not a respecter of persons again and again in Scripture. Deuteronomy 10, 17. The Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial. Who is not partial. Romans 2, 11, For God shows no partiality. Acts 10, 34 and 35, Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears Him and does what is right, which sounds like wisdom to me, is acceptable to Him. If we each only knew the wisdom from God we have access to, I believe there would be a quickening of the heart, a hope that would begin to displace the despair. The despair of being without the wisdom we feel that we need. If only we knew that it doesn't matter where we are from, what our skin color might be, what our economic status might be, what our IQ is, God gives generously and to all. If we only knew that it doesn't matter how much pain we are in, how dark the night might be, how confused we might feel, how that darkness surrounding our hearts and minds and our life can feel like a physical thing, how confused again, how if we only knew God is there ready to give wisdom to put the wood and the matches together and light the fire of wisdom in our lives to give us light and warmth in a cold and dark world. If we only knew it and if we were only desperate enough to call to Him and beg Him for the wisdom that we need, I think our lives would be on the precipice of much more wisdom than they presently are. But we do know these things. James just told us, didn't he? So we are without excuse. But 
we can't finish today without finishing on a very different path than what perhaps the false prophet might give you today. How do you seek this thing? How is this wisdom sought? Is this a blank check from God? We've often heard that. And in a sense, you can say that. I don't want to dismiss that. It's not as though we're going to ever merit an ounce of grace from God, or otherwise it wouldn't be grace. But how is this remedy sought? How do we seek the wisdom? How do we ask for it? Because you, again, we're going to take a different path than what many will do. And, and what I think the New Testament writers warned us about taking these false prophets. They're, they're people who will sell you the promises of God and say nothing of the requirements. You want to know how to identify a false prophet? That's right at the top of the list. Are they selling me the promises of God without the requirements? Are they selling me a get-out-of-jail-free card without any of the requirement of confessing my sin? That's like selling medicine and taking out the active ingredient. Yeah, it might be much the same, but it's missing the most important and critical element. It's like selling medicine without instructions on how to take it, how often to take it, when to take it. They'll sell you the promise, but they'll not tell you anything about the way in which you obtain the promise. They'll just dangle it out there and have you follow them who themselves, likely anyway, most likely, have never taken the medicine either. And so don't know what it is to feel well and at peace with God. And so they take this scripture like, uh, scripture like this one that James says, and they say, see, all you've got to do is ask God. And they'll remove some of the most important components of how we are to obtain those promises. Maybe you, maybe, maybe you are maybe like me and like many others. Maybe after hearing what we just said earlier, the, this promise, oh, if you lack wisdom, well then ask God. Maybe you've heard that promise before and you're thinking, I've bought that before and nothing ever changed. Maybe that's what you're thinking. Yeah, James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, just ask God and He's going to give you everything you need. And, and yet you've tried that. You've bought that medicine without understanding the requirements and nothing changed. And you assumed that the fault is on Scripture or on God. I, I want to disabuse you of that today if I can. I'd like you to look closely at the requirements here of the promise if you are to benefit from it. Everyone wants the remedy, by the way, of salvation from sin. Everyone wants to go to heaven if they're in their right mind. Don't they? It would be silly. Here's your choice. Eternal destruction and damnation in hell or eternal life and joy in heaven. 99.9999999 repeating people in their right mind are going to say, I choose heaven but not all are willing to confront the requirements of salvation in order to enjoy the benefits of salvation. That's the, that's the difference. We want God to forgive us, 
without ever having to ask Him to forgive us. We want forgiveness and peace with God without ever coming to Him and apologizing in a broken heart and a contrite spirit that His Son died for us. We want our tombs to be empty one day, never understanding what it took for Jesus' tomb to be empty first. We want God's love without understanding His wrath. We want to be the center of God's universe instead of making God the center of ours. We've got it all turned around. The promises we think we have are missed out on because we do not confront the requirements of the promises, not truly, not fully. We understand them and we know them. We've not turned it into wisdom and how to behave and to actually seek the wisdom God gives us. This promise of wisdom is a promise given to those who ask in faith. This is quite interesting to me. As it almost just dawned on me as again studying and preparing for this morning and went, wow, we're, we're talking about things like knowledge and understanding and James then the, the culmination of all of that in wisdom and what's required? Faith. Faith. Faith is required for this. We're talking about things that people might say are real and true, facts and figures and understanding. And we see clearly here in Scripture the requirement to have any of those things rightly, knowledge or understanding or wisdom. We must have faith. Faith is the key to wisdom. Without it, you will never be wise. You'll never be wise. You'll live your life blinded by the things of this life, unwilling or unable to see what is beneath it and through it all. You'll understand your heart, it beats. You're going to know it sends blood throughout your body so that oxygenated blood can reach your organs so that your life can continue. But you'll stop there. You'll live your life with matches and wood on the table in front of you and never bring them together into wisdom. Faith is required for this. Faith is not a, a, a nice to have. It is essential. You want to be wise? You must be a person of faith. Listen to the testimony of Hebrews 11. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. By faith Noah built the ark. By faith, Abraham obeyed God. By faith, Sarah had a child in her old age. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. Eighteen times in 31 verses of the 11th chapter of Hebrews, we see the phrase, by faith. You cannot separate faith from wisdom or wisdom from faith. Do you want to know why the world is so ignorant and blind today? It's not because we don't have facts knowledge. It's not because we don't have understanding. I think we understand more today scientifically and in other ways medically than 
than men have ever understood before. Do you know why we're so unwise, though? It's not for lack of the wood and the matches. It's, it's a lack of faith. Trust in God. You want to know why our nation is so lost? You want to know why you have not enjoyed the benefits of the promises of God like we should? Must be likely be anyhow a lack of faith. So listen, if you lack wisdom, surely we all do. Some measure. We must go to God and ask him for it, but we must do so in faith. As James says, let him ask in faith with no doubting. No room for that. And very briefly here, I want to mention this to maybe any who have swallowed the lie that you should only believe something that you can see, feel, touch. Let me ask you, if you can see it, if you can feel it and touch it, what need is there of faith at all? You might say, you're making my point, preacher. None of this is necessary. I, I believe the things that I can see. And I say to you, no, you don't. You can't believe what you see. You can only know what you see. Belief is in the realm where you cannot see. But before anyone in the world or some materialist might, might shout victory at my own preaching here, I ask you, is it not irrefutably true that there are things in life that you will never see but must take on faith. That's irrefutably true. There are things that you don't see that you take upon take on faith. Maybe some expert's word. You don't know that. You don't know what you say you know. You're trusting and believing in someone else. And that's why James says, if you, if any of us, if you lack faith, ask God. He's not hoping that merely you'll find yourself in the midst of some wise people. He's wanting you to be wise. You to know. And faith is necessary. Faith is not the opposite of knowledge. It is not the opposite of understanding. It certainly is not the opposite of wisdom. It is the key to each. To rightly knowing each. So when you ask God, you must ask Him in faith. And it's got to be an unwavering faith. We're not talking about a just-in-case kind of faith. We're talking about a faith that is all in. It's not a hedged bet that you make in case. I remember as a young boy, I was I don't know exactly what the circumstances were, why I was in this situation, but I was listening to a preacher counsel a man who was dying. And he, I remember as he got down towards it, he, he, he asked the man, and, and please don't misunderstand, I, I'm not judging what this man said, I just want to tell you how it hit me. He tells the man, and he says, well, what if you're wrong? Why don't you pray this prayer just in case you're wrong? And, and I thought at the time, why, it doesn't feel right. You don't go to God just in case. You don't say, God, okay, just in case you're right, I'll kind of give you a little bit of a, a nod. I'll check the box. I'll, I'll repeat the prayer. I'll, I'll give my tithe. I'll go to church. Just, I think that misses it. It's all in. 
But so much of the world wants to have their life and live one foot in and with God and, and one foot out in the world. And do you know what you end up? What James just said, double-minded and unstable. So this asking of God in faith must be an unwavering faith. And it must be an unwavering faith in God. Not you. Not someone else. And it must be an unwavering faith in who God says He is. Who God says you are. And in who God says His Son is. Those things must come together when we come to God and ask Him for wisdom. And somehow, I believe that when we understand who God is and understand more about Him and who He is, and then we understand more about ourselves and who we are and what God has done to bring us to Himself in eternity, all of a sudden we are in a much better place to ask Him for wisdom. And often when we get to that place, we find out we've been asking all the wrong questions in the first place. Asking God for things here that were only promised in heaven. Asking God for blessings here that we're only going to receive in eternity. So much from God is unknown to us because we do not see our lives from an eternal point of view. We live in a fallen world and expect God to protect us from its fallenness. And when He doesn't, we blame Him. That's not wise. We equate our losses in the world in a world world that is full of them, of losses, as somehow God's judgment or perhaps even his worse, his lack of interest and apathy. Now, that doesn't mean he wants us or you to live a miserable life here. He, He doesn't. But it does mean that you should not expect heaven on earth. Just shouldn't. Otherwise, why would we read that God one day is going to make everything new? He's going to destroy this place, he says. Peter says it's going to melt in a fervent heat. The good news of the gospel is that God has sent his son to the world to bleed and die for lost mankind. And if we repent and believe in him, we can find peace with him and we can be with him forever. And as I said earlier, and I say again, I will tell you here today on May 15th, 2022, one of these days, I'm going to leave this plane of existence. But I will tell you this a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now, this will be true. My grave will be empty because Jesus grave was empty. This body will have returned to the dust and there'll be no resem- there'll be no evidence of me. But I'll be with God. My grave here is going to be empty because I'll not be there. Not for a second. I will be with Him and it is in that faith and confidence that we must come to God in a currently a broken and fallen world and just say, God, I ask you for wisdom how to act in such a way that is consistent with eternity that I am heading to and the eternity that so many others are heading to that we fear. Remember, Jesus came to fix the world 
a world that is broken. He's, he's accomplished the work. All that remains is for the Father to say, go, it's time. Bring your people home. And the good news then of the gospel is that we can have assurance and peace now that we'll be with him. So I conclude with these thoughts. Verses 7 and 8. They're sobering words. And I, I just want to read them. For that person, one who does not ask in faith or doubts, that person, James says, must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. If you hesitate and withhold a full-throated belief in God, you will live your life tossed on the sea of uncertainty, confusion, and fear. You will. You will be unstable in all your ways. You will be double-minded and never on solid ground. God wants you on solid ground. Solid spiritual ground that holds you steady in the terrible tempest of this life. Because you know one day you'll be gathered home with Him. If you lack wisdom, I, I ask you to ask God for it. As James tells us to ask Him. Ask Him know that he gives generously to all ask him with an unwavering faith do not test him with the timing refuse to live one more day with one foot in with god and one foot out with the world plant your feet on the eternal promises of god if you know the lord commit again to give him all of your days as you wake up anew and do as paul said die daily if you do not know him He's calling out to you to repent. And if you feel that in your heart, do so today without hesitation. Give Him your heart. That's what He wants. Your repentance and faith. And He will give you the wisdom you need. He will. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, which is to believe again in everything He said and did and be saved today. Find Him and know Him. Know the joy of being at peace with God when you let go of yourself and the world. Remember that whatever sacrifices He might call upon you to make in your life, they are small sacrifices to pay when He has secured your eternal joy with Him. If any of you lack wisdom, if any of us lack wisdom, let us ask of God pray something's been said been helpful to you that God would use his word to affect our hearts and our lives as he would have it to let's have a song